What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Spilt Milk Podcast. I'm Jerry James, here with my co-host, OB. What it do? And uh, we got our sound engineer over here, uh, Benny D. We're at the California Suite here in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. I got no shirt on because it's laundry day, and uh, yeah, I'm not fucking going out anytime soon, so I'm probably not going to wash my clothes, I'm not going to shower for a little bit. But the beautiful thing is, at least today, we have cold beer compared to last uh, last week's warm beer. So, uh, yeah, things are good. We're living good. How you doing, OB? Can you just please take a shower? Thank you, man. We live together. Soon. Soon. <laughs> Next week. Tuesday. Oh, man. I'm ready. All right. Well, tonight, uh, you know, the Spill Milk Show, we're all about uh, telling true stories here. Exciting stories, strange stories, uh, sometimes downright fucking unexplainable stories. And uh, tonight, I'm excited about this one. We're talking about the Ericsson twins. Two uh, Swedish identical twins who uh, one day caused more than quite a kerfuffle on the M6 motorway. Uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Ursula and Sabina are identical twins who um, one day found themselves on the Kings Road motorway. Is that what it's called? It's called the M6 motorway, but uh, Kings Road Road sounds kind of (laughs) cool. Shout out to Kingsway. I'm thinking about our old street. Vancouver City, baby. East Van. Okay. But um, yeah, they caused quite a kerfuffle. Also, somehow flinging themselves into the highway yeah they, they decided just to go right into traffic they their parents never taught them to look both ways i guess because if you watch this footage there's cctv footage of it all and it's fucking horrific but yeah they just go for it on uh let's see it was friday march 16th 2008 uh you know so ursula at this point i guess we should start with they have no history of mental illness. They have no criminal records, these sisters. Uh, nothing of the sort. In fact, they're doing fairly well for themselves at this point. They're, what, they're about 41 years old. Um, you know, Ursula is living in the United States. Sabina's with uh, her partner in Cork County, Ireland. She has two children. Uh, everything. See, this is what I'm trying to say. No, Cork, Cork County, Ireland. Cork County. Yeah, check the notes. Uh, uh, what is it? I'm trying to find it. Court County. Hold on, everybody. This is bad radio, but we're going to prove this motherfucker wrong. Cork, Ireland. Oh, County Cork. Okay, so we're both wrong. So we're both wrong. It's <laughs> Cork County. Okay, it's not Corkland. Okay, so County Cork, Ireland. Okay, she's living in Ireland. Let's just fucking leave it at that. With an Irish roll and the leprechaun stroll. So yeah, it's uh so now we get back to Friday, March sixteenth, two thousand eight, when uh, Ursula decides to fly to London. I mean, uh, fly to Ireland, sorry, and visit her sister. And uh, no one knows exactly what they talked about at this meeting, but something definitely serious was discussed because they both packed their bags and headed to London the very next day. 
When they arrived in Liverpool around 8.30 the following day, they decided to go to the police for some odd reason and uh, say how uh, her husband... Yeah, well, they were reporting like, concerns for Sabina's children, yeah. I believe, right? Oh, yeah, okay, something about how he's abusive or something like that. But what went down is that they called, they got no reports of abuse, no reports of, you know, violence. Or... Yeah, nothing from the Dublin police. They could pretty much, everything seemed okay. It was a very odd call, it seemed like. So they decided to leave the police station and head straight to the National Express Terminal. That's basically like what, like Europe's Greyhound, hey? So just like a bus that will take you all over the place. At 11.30 that day, they boarded a coach headed to London. And um, basically, this is when shit starts going down, This is when it goes down, okay? But before we get to that, we need to first understand a rare psychological condition called... Folie à deux. Folie à deux. Uh, forgive us for a mispronunciation. There's a couple things we're probably going to fuck up here, but uh, we're doing our best. So, we're going to talk about folia du. It translates roughly to a madness of two. Uh, folia du is a shared psychosis in which symptoms from uh, pretty much one person who believe, uh, with one person with delusional beliefs transfers those beliefs to another person. Uh, there's two subcategories. The first one, uh, what's it called? It's called uh, Madness Imposé. Here, Madness Imposed, I believe it kind of translates Fole to. Folie Imposé. Oh, yeah. For, okay. Folie Imposé or Madness Imposed. Okay. This That's is what I'm where, pretty sure. But... This is where a primary inducer forms the initial delusion. Yeah, like or a delusion. Crazy fuck. And impose it on another. That person, yeah. So, like, uh, the person with the main beliefs is known as the inducer. And who they put their beliefs on is called the acceptor. Uh, you know, so the inducer, they usually think, honestly, that they're doing, you know, a service to this person. You know, revealing the, the truth to them, showing them the light, telling them about, you know, that the earth is flat. But, uh, no, usually they're, they're doing great harm. They're doing great harm to this person. And usually when the, the acceptor and the inducer are separated without any medication or anything... It seems like they just go back to normal. Yeah, yeah, with no treatment or anything. The acceptor is pretty much, it just goes to show that the one person's mind can really influence another person's belief, which is crazy. Uh, so the second uh, subcategory, it's known as folie simultanée. I believe that one's tough, but... Simultaneous. <laughs> Let's get some chase. <laughs> it's simultaneous madness. That's when two independent psychosis sufferers, they get together and they influence each other's symptoms until, you know, these symptoms become pretty much the exact same. They become strikingly similar. You would choose a story that has so many French stories, so many French words that we fully suck at. Well, but, okay. You know, it's because Benny good. D over here has been getting me into French cooking lately. It's... Amazing. 100%. It's amazing, and I'm getting into the French culture. I respect them as a people. So, because of that, we have to give him an initiation style jumping. You know, like, you know, like a solo game. How old are you, Benny D? 24. 24. 24 thumps, man. 24 seconds. We got to go at you. Yeah. That's how it is, man. For getting us us to speak French. Is that? Okay. I'm from South Central Alberta. Shit, you know, around there. It's, It's rough, bro. You'll be in the gang. You'll be in the gang after that. After that, you're in. If you survive. Folie à deux 
has been observed in groups as large as whole families. So think of it almost as if, you know, these families are, you know, completely separated from society. And, uh, you know. Think of the Amish. Of yeah. Think of the Amish, you know. There you go. That's it. Or Mormons, you know. <laughs> yeah. Mor- Aren't those Mormons? You know what? I think any religion technically is this. But uh, after a certain amount of people, they just call that mass hysteria. Oh, so, okay, yeah. okay. The Amish are Mennonites. Mennonites, Amish. I, it's all, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> we we should keep going. Well, I think, yeah, we're already going to get ourselves in trouble with the North Korea subject. So, okay. <laughs> we're already going. 50% of all folia do cases are shared between either mother and daughter or sister and sister. Other key aspects include the nature of the relationship between the inducer and the acceptor. Both in physical and emotional proximity. Yeah, and like also restricted contact with the outside world. That that definitely plays a huge role. Um, two reasons. It actually it makes sense when you're really isolated from other people. The very few people you do talk to, you start trusting. You start forming very strong bonds with. And uh, so you know you trust what they're saying, what they're telling you, which is you know usually the inducers' paranoid lies. Also, you're not around other people, so you have no one there to tell you like, hey. You're being a fucking idiot. What are you doing? So it, it definitely plays into each other. It makes sense totally. The acceptor usually, you know, has a little bit of a dependency on the inducer. And obviously the inducer restricts momentum in life to do things, to go see people. And, you know, it kind of sucks. It's a little bit of a drag. Yeah, and it's been known to like breed a love-hate relationship for sure. Like uh, it's been noted that many acceptors, even though... You know, it's weird because they believe the delusions that, uh, you know, the inducer is given to them. Like, if they didn't believe them, they wouldn't change their lives so drastically. But there is something in them that breeds this love-hate relationship that they do. They've admitted to harboring very aggressive thoughts towards their towards their inducer. And, it, like, they don't even need cocaine for this. It's crazy. And no, these people are testing to be completely sober. Oh, my God. Now, the odd thing about the Erickson twins is that despite being female, they share very few other characteristics of usual folia dual sufferers. Yeah, like they live as far away from each other as you can imagine. One was in the U.S., one was in Ireland. Um, you know, they, they were identical twins, so they kind of... I feel like twins share weird connections that we don't quite understand yet. You know, that's why uh, Mengele, you know, that's why the Nazis are so interested in twins. But there's also a category about this in Pornhub if you want to go that deep. It's called twins? Yeah, twin shit. It's weird, you know. Okay. Take cryptophagia, for example. This is actually quite a common phenomenon where twins start communicating to each other in their own undecipherable language. You know, it's like, you know... When two when toddlers are like mer 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 into each other, and as soon as they go into school, though, that suddenly stops. Yeah, and you think it's just like weird baby sounds, but studies have shown that they can understand each other. They've actually made up their own language, and it's kind of spooky. But this is known to be this is noted in fifty percent of, all of twins. twins, like uh, like you know half of twins literally make up their own language. And then drop it, boom, just like that, out of nowhere. So, yeah, there's definitely some connections between identical twins, or even just twins in general, to be honest. And uh, that definitely plays into what happens next and what we're about to talk about. But uh, before we get into that, 
we're going to have a word from our sponsors. This episode of Spill Milk Podcast brought to you by Ed's Meats and Other Treats. Are you tired of the government treating you like a fucking pussy? Telling you what kind of meat you can eat? What kind of fucking guns you can own? Something called age of consent? You know what? Here at Ed's Meats and Other Treats, we got the best top-notch game meat you can ask for. We got squirrel, we got possum, hell, we even got lizard jerky. I'll tell you what, back in 1997, this girl looked just like Sigourney Weaver right here. And you know what she said? She said the food was good and hell, that gotta mean something. Well, every plate of meat served at Ed's is killed and cooked on the spot, brought to your table by a handsome, of age, Albertan boy. I'll tell you that, satisfaction guarantee, you bet your fucking ass. Remember the name, Ed's Meats and Other Treats, where the flavor is in the texture. Don't want to marry your sister, okay? <laughs> Stop trying to tell me to marry your sister. Fuck off, dude. Fuck off. <laughs> Read the story. Okay, with that bit of background, let's get back to the story. Sorry, that was my phone, boys. <laughs> Check out the screen of Smash before we go on. Can no, you? I don't. I will do that after the podcast. I don't want to. His phone just hit the brick ground. <laughs> yeah, our, our floor is made of tile, so it's, mm. we'll see what happens. Well, luckily, Fingers crossed. I, luckily, I got that, you know, that, that You got a warranty? No. No, <laughs> no one has a warranty. He's got that anti-brick sound phone. Anti-brick. Yeah, as always. So... The bus drivers saw that they were looking a little bit suspicious, and they were clinging to their bags as if they were holding something real nice in there, and they were very paranoid about it. Even the manager at the motorway was, you know, didn't like how they looked. Yeah, I think you could see them on, like, security cameras or something, and it was mm, clear yeah. that they were being kind of weird, walking like, from spot to spot. It was like they were on the run, you yeah. know? Yeah, it definitely looked like that. Yeah. But the police came, and, you know... I just have this question. It's like, how far can cute take you? Being attractive, how far can it take you? So far, dude. Being cute and white, it's going to prove in this story again and again. It'll get you out of anything. Yeah, it'll get you out so, of fucking anything. So, the police deemed they were not a threat and uh, sent them on the yeah, way. Technically, no laws being broken. They were acting weird, but hey, it's not illegal to be weird. So, they were gone. Uh, but... They were definitely not allowed to board the bus again. The driver said, no way, unless you let me search your bags. I'm not letting you back on this bus. And they refused to let them search the bags. The bus driver said, you're out of here. So what did they do? Took the goddamn Shoelace Express and started heading down the M6 motorway. The weird thing, though, is that they were in the middle of the meridian. Yeah, they went down. They decided to go down the middle of the road, I guess. Um, They jumped they tried to cross the road instead of waiting until you know a safe spot they just ran into traffic just fucking unrelenting boom this is where sabina got struck for the first time yeah so and this is when the police were called yet again and this is we're gonna see that sabina's wonder woman or something she goes through some shit she's a lot stronger than her sister for sure so the police are called again the police show up, and just by coincidence, and thank God for this, uh, they were filming like a cop-style TV show. And so not only did the cops show up, but so did a whole camera crew, you know, microphone guys, probably lighting guys, you know, director. A lot, which, a lot of people bail you know, out of this car. I know you're saying thank you because we get that footage, which is pretty wild, but... It probably definitely fueled that paranoia that they were having, wasn't it? That's a good point. Yeah, I'm sure it, there was already paranoia going on. And then once you see, yeah, 
a bunch of people and lights and cameras in your face. It, and it uh, yeah. fucks with you. And soon as the camera crew arrived, Ursula once again hurled herself into the oncoming traffic, where it looked like her legs exploded. I think that's what they were trying to say. That's what one officer said. So she ran into the road. It launched her body into the air. And uh, just like Tara said, thankfully, there's a camera crew right there to see it all happen. Yeah, you can look at this footage on YouTube. It's it's pretty fucking crazy to see. The first sister gets hit by a a truck, which I guess in the UK they call a lorry, because they always say, oh, after the lorry ran over. After the lorry. So she gets hit by this truck, and then the truck, I guess, went over her legs. So yeah, like like Obi said, her legs were described as being exploded. Disgusting. Uh, and this is honestly kind of where Ursula uh, tucks out of the story. We don't hear from her much more because she spends the next three months in hospital. But uh, after seeing this go down, her sister decides, you know what? That looks fun. Also runs into traffic and also gets struck by a car. But... For some reason, she was fueled with some superhuman strength. Almost as if, you know, in her bed was just a pound think, of blow. You think a lot of coke or crack or something. You know, but, as uh, if, you we're know. But we'll, we'll look into that soon. We'll look into that soon. But uh, luckily, Sabina, she her legs didn't explode. Her legs kept intact, which is very lucky for her. Uh, not really so lucky for everyone else involved. So Sabina's injuries look to be pretty severe as well. Honestly, all the officers on the scene were amazed to find either of these sisters alive. Uh, you know, I want to bring up again that these vehicles were going highway speeds. We're talking 90 kilometers an hour. It's about 55, 56 miles an hour. For the Americans. Uh, yeah, like these things. They, they weren't just driving down. They were fucking, they were cruising. And one was a truck. One was a truck. This is when Sabina starts getting very aggressive with the officers. She begins yelling paranoid phrases. She's like, I recognize you. You are not real. You are not real. Are you going to steal my organs? Stuff like, you know, that comes straight out of a movie, you know? But the police were trying to, you know, stabilize her the whole time. And actually, they were doing you know, their jobs. They were trying to take care of her, but, you know, that's... They were trying their best, and uh, clearly it wasn't working. No, because she was yelling, somebody call the police, somebody call the police. And it's like, lady, they've been here for the last little while trying to help you. So, I don't know. It's so hard to say what was going on, but she was definitely out of her mind. She was hallucinating. She was 100% delusional. Even though being hit by a high-speed vehicle... Sabina manages to make it to her feet. Yeah. Punch a police officer in the face. Downs her. Once you can more, see her. Oh, hit the Run floor. onto the motorway, causing chaos on the concrete. Yeah, so luckily enough, this time at least she doesn't get hit again. She only gets hit, you know, twice, thank God. Um, police are able to take her down. Even a, mo- a passing motorist pulled over three and helped. Three grown men. Yeah, three grown men had to subdue this lady, and they all claimed that she had... S- subhuman or inhuman strength you know that she was just she would not give up she was scratching she was yelling uh so they obviously course, thought she was high on something. she thought she was high everyone there even you can hear the cops reports they don't say i think she's high the on the walkie talkies the cops say yeah they are definitely high on something because they're paranoid and oddly uh, enough the toxicology reports came back clean yeah once these ladies are taken to the hospital they were all tested, you know, they did blood work or whatever, and no drugs, no alcohol, 100% sober. 
So we're, we're going back to the beginning where we said, like, there's no history of mental illness. Uh, you know, these ladies were doing very well for themselves. They weren't on drugs. They weren't drinking. And something just happened one day that sent them off. And, um, you know, now that they're both in custody, the story doesn't quite end there. Well, they finally managed somehow to bring Sabina into custody and... They went to, you know, they took Ursula to a nearby hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's things, up. Yeah, she's going to be gone for the next three months. There's something very curious about this case. Because as soon as Sabina was taken into custody, her demeanor changed. She got flirtatious with the cops. You know, mm, she, was she was trying to fuck funny. this cop, you could tell. He's a cute cop, but yeah, like she was she, definitely trying to fuck She him. cooperates with all their demands. Odd thing is that Sabina actually seemed very unconcerned about her twin. No, she didn't even ask about her twin. It's almost as if they're aliens and they had telepathic connections. <laughs> and you know what? She knew that Ursula was going to no, be just A-okay. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. They're not aliens. How am I wrong? They're lizard people, dude. They're underground lizard people. They're okay, not fucking so aliens. So they've been here for okay. thousands and thousands they've of years. They've been here for thousands of years. So No, okay, but it, it, it is really weird that... Her and her sister just followed each other into almost certain death. And she was um, more concerned about her jewelry. She was more concerned about her jewelry. she looked than her sister, Which, who, who was in critical condition, by the way. She, uh, you know, she complied. She said, yeah, here, take it. But she was, you know, she was kind of complaining about it the whole time. Jury. 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 Anyway, Sabina pleaded guilty to assault on a police officer and was sentenced to one day in jail. Which she had technically already served. Which brings us back to her point of how far being a cute white girl will get you. Oh, yeah. Expect, okay, yeah. We'll bring that up, too. So one day in jail for punching out a police officer. And causing a fucking kerfuffle. But I guess technically kerfuffles aren't crimes. So she was out on the streets. They let her go. And uh, now we're going to meet our good friend, Glenn Hollingshead. It's time to meet Glenn Hollingshead. Or Hollingshead. Hollingshead, I believe. He's a 50-year-old employee um, of a welder company. I don't know what it is, but... and a Self-employed former... welder. He was a self-employed welder. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. You know, doing it big <laughs> out here. welding former here. airman of the Royal Air Force, not My bad. Be glad. My bad. Glenn was, a, Glenn was a homeboy. He was at a local club with uh, Malloy and, uh, you His know... His friend, Peter Malloy. Peter Malloy. Having a few pints. When they decide to go home, um, they suddenly see Sabina walking on the side of the road. And she actually decided to walk up to them and said, hey, nice dog. As if, you know, all the past events that just happened didn't happen, you know. And I don't know if, like, I don't know for sure, but like, Glenn and Peter, they're older guys. You know, a cute blonde Swedish lady walks up, strikes a conversation up. You know, it's. I think this guy was feeling kind of like it was his lucky day. Oh, of course. You know? Yeah, like. I would, too. Not to speak ill of the dead, everyone's saying, oh, you know, he showed such sympathy for this girl, but I think he was just trying to snooch the gooch, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't know, at this point, I don't know, who who wouldn't be? Like, he didn't know the story. He had no idea what just happened before this. It hasn't been, it wasn't out there yet. Anyways. Snooch the gooch is my favorite quidditch movie. Snooch the gooch. Yeah, snooch the gooch. She brought up her sister and, you know, kind of brought up some sympathies. And yeah, probably... she was like saying, oh, I need to find my sister. She's in the hospital. I need to find her. But 
Um, I'm sure that knowledge was 100% given to her when she was in custody. I don't think it was a secret. Yeah. So, again, she's just kind of wandering around. I still think she's not in her right mind. Um, you know, so, you know, Glenn's white knight came out of nowhere. And he's like, you know what? You can drop by my place with me and Malloy. And Peter. Sorry, Malloy. I don't know how to say your name right, but... It's pretty easily written, but... Peter Malloy. Peter Malloy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not foreign, really. <laughs> well, it is foreign to me. Anyway, I guess technically, London is a foreign country, but... Peter. He's very white. Who was a very, you know, smart man. He kind of had his suspicions about... Some, he you know, definitely didn't feel right about this situation. He knew Glenn, something was going on. you know, on. but Glenn, he's like, you know, come on, bro. I'm trying to, you know, it's yeah. been a few months, bro. It's been a oh, few a months. Oh, a few months, dude. I'm just, okay, hey, all right. We got to stop. We got to stop because this is a... We'll learn what happens to Glenn right away. So, Glenn you know, everything was fine. He said, listen, Peter, everything's good. We're going to have a few drinks. Things are going to be chill. Okay? Yeah, real chill because, you know, every time she would be looking at the window, closing the blinds. You know, yeah, she, she even offered yeah, she even offered cigarettes to them and then suddenly snatched them back and said, No, they might be poisoned. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Where she would she opened up her pack of cigarettes, she's been smoking it from them all night. She goes, Hey, you know, you guys wanna smoke? Do you guys wanna smoke? Yeah, sure, let's have let's have a smoke. And right before they could light them up, she grabbed the smokes right out of their mouths. She said, You can't smoke these. They they, they could be poisoned and snapped them in half. Which is like fucking Really weird, considering she's been smoking from that same pack the whole night. Yeah, and, uh, you know, technically they are poisoned. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but it's a lot slower of a poison than the kind of she was talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as eventually as the night came to an end, Peter decides to leave. And, uh, hey, just Glenn Sabina, you know? Whether or not anything else happened that night, nobody knows. that That's not part of the story, unfortunately. But uh, come noon the next day... Glenn's preparing lunch for both of them, and his neighbor, his neighbor's outside washing his car, and he goes outside, he says, hey neighbor, uh, can I borrow some tea bags, he wants to make some tea with his lunch, you know? Hey it's, neighbor? Well, no, no, hey, hey neighbor, just, this is London, he probably, hey neighbor. Hey, hey neighbor. That, yeah, <laughs> that's the oi, best I got. Oi. But of course, yeah, like I said, it's London, so he goes out to borrow some tea bags. <laughs> neighbor goes, hey, listen, no problem. You know, he, he no was problem. giving the T-Bags too uh, last night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, T-Bag, T-Bag, okay. Okay, sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, he says, I'll bring it right up to you. Yeah, he says, you know what, just go back inside. I'm going to finish washing my car. I'll bring you some T-Bags. Anyway, just Glenn, in a second. Glenn comes out a few moments later saying, she stabbed me, she stabbed me. Yeah. Glenn had five stab wounds to his abdomen and quickly succumbed to his injury yeah. in front of his neighbor. Five stab wounds and laid down and died right there. Uh, Sabina, she got out of there as quick as she could. There's CCTV footage of her fleeing from the scene. For some reason, she took a hammer with her. Uh, didn't seem for self-defense. Actually seemed for self-harm because she just started smashing herself over and over again in the head with this hammer. She was just, bah, bah, bah. And a uh, motorist, uh, he tried to instinctively try to wrestle his hammer away from CB. Mm-hmm. She proceeded to take a roof towel out of her jacket. I don't even know where she got that. What the fuck is roof towel anyway? Yeah, but well, no. Anyways, she tried to you know smash that over the man's head. Smash. And it worked. And <laughs> yeah. she tried to jump off. Yeah, she kind of forty she foot this guy. bridge. Yeah. Whoa, she whoa, whoa hold up. up, hold up, hold up. She kind of fucked this guy up. 
Then, out of nowhere, paramedics show up. EMTs, they're back again. They're like, I imagine, I, I hope it's the same EMTs from the roadway who are just like, are you fucking kidding me? Is, <laughs> you know, they were like, is this chick back here again? So anyways, they she chased her run down anymore, for a little she, bit. She uh, what? Well, she couldn't run anymore because once they got her to this bridge, she said, well, now's a better time than ever. And she jumped. Don't worry, it's not too dark. She didn't die. She landed feet first of a 40 fucking foot fall. Onto the A50 motorway. And uh, she survived somehow again. And uh, she just suffered two broken ankles fractures. And uh, she... Oh, wait, no. Yeah, two broken ankles, ankles and, a fractured and a fractured skull. skull. At this point, she clearly could not run anymore and was taken into custody. Once, once again, more. taken into custody. So this lady, uh, she survived getting hit twice on the highway. Uh, commits a murder. And then jumps off a bridge... And decides to survive again. It's absolutely insane. Both sisters ended up spending a few months in the hospital. As they definitely should have. Because the injuries were quite severe. And finally when Sabina was able to stand trial. She pled guilty to manslaughter. By reason of diminished responsibility. Uh, honestly I don't really know exactly what that means. But she's claiming that she, you know it's not her fault that she killed him. Which is bullshit. You stabbed the man five times in the stomach, probably the most painful place to be stabbed. All I want to ask, Glenn, was it worth it? Was, was it worth it? No. We well, actually, actually, you know what? To her, it probably was worth it because uh, the judge, you know, he was hoping to put her away for an undetermined amount of time. You know, he wanted her to be monitored. She could be released, you know, when she was healthy and good to go. But psychiatrists, these, these crazy fucks, they deemed her... Uh, clinically insane at the time of the crime, but clinically healthy at the no time longer, of the trial. She was no longer mentally ill. So yeah, so now they're saying she, bas she basically is no longer mentally ill. Um, she wasn't really responsible for these crimes in the first place. Uh, therefore, you know, she couldn't be sent to a hospital. She couldn't have an undetermined jail time. Literally, the max the judge could give her was five years. And that's what he did. And he wasn't happy about it, but he gave her five years in Bronzefield's, Bronzefield Women's Prison. And uh, that's where she spent five years and has since been released. She's living back in the United States. And uh, no one really knows much about them anymore. Ursula, since her hospital stay, has been pretty much like a shut and closed case. Nobody knows where she is. Uh, Sabina has been spotted on this church's website. I don't have the name of the church right now, but uh, she's she's definitely back in the U.S. and uh, living her life. Glenn, was it worth it? Glenn, it worth it? did you get that? And all right, that's what we got for you this week. That's the story of the uh, Erickson twins. Before we sign off, we got Benny D's weekly fact of the week. What'd you got for us? Save money, paper, and trees by blowing your nose in your shirt. Hey, Easy. it makes sense to me. Easy. Thank you. Fuck Thank yeah, you guys. I had a really good time talking about this story today. I hope you liked it. You got any thoughts, OB? Anything you want to say? I just want to ask Glenn Holling's head, was it worth it? I think he'd say no. I don't know, maybe, just a little bit, I don't know. All right, well, how we're going to end these episodes from now on is we're going to play you out with some of our uh, favorite local bands, uh, small-time bands. So if you have anything you want to send us, possibly be played on the show, 
send it in. We'd love to hear it. Today we're going to be talking about, or I guess we're going to be listening to, a little band called SIDS. This track's called Villain, and a little known fact about this band is the guitarist, the insanely talented guitarist, uh, it's me. Yeah, it's me. So hey guys, remember, stay high, don't cry over spilled milk. Love you.